What up, guys? This is The Chase Down. I'm JP, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. What's up, guys? And today, we have an episode about some injuries that took place over the league, unfortunately. We have some battles for the play-in, and we have some people coming back from injuries soon, and some winning streaks to talk about for you guys. So we have a loaded episode, but let's jump into something that's kind of sad to talk about, especially for my man, Ben, over there. Uh, Jamal Murray tore his ACL in the final 50 seconds of a game against Golden State. Um, what were your first reactions to the injury? This is awful. Like, long-term implications, short-term implications. It is really, really bad for the Nuggets. Um, short-term, I'm going to say it's bad. I mean, they just picked up Austin Rivers. He's obviously not going to do what Jamal can do, but he'll do a little bit as a backup point guard. Um, but this was their chance. I honestly, watching the Nuggets, watching how they clicked with Aaron Gordon, if Jamal Murray was healthy, they could make a finals run. I fully believe they could beat the Lakers in a series. Um, they can't do it without Jamal. And long-term, they're going to have to pay both Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon in two years. So next year has to be their shot. Jamal Murray's got to come back completely healthy, and they've got to, if they really want, a championship next year is the year for them um which sucks like with this crew which sucks um i really wanted to see them healthy this year and it just it really really stinks that he's not going to be able to play in these playoffs i totally agree with you uh we were talking about it last podcast right like this group has been together for a couple of years now their chemistry is just off the charts aaron gordon when he was dropped into the lineup it seemed like he had been there for years and years uh, michael porter's ascension Everything just kind of seemed to be on track. And obviously, we wish the Lakers get healthy. But with a Lakers team who's kind of beat up and a Nuggets team that was surging with all their stars and an MVP candidate in Jokic, it kind of seems like that could have been their year to make the finals. Now, whether they win or not is a question. But to even get there is a huge achievement for a team that's showing steady growth over years. Last year, they made the Western Conference Finals it would have been a really good step for them to make the final. So it was pretty devastating, honestly. That, that sucked to see him go down. Yeah, and I, I kind of think um, – I think it's well known around the league that Jokic is having the best season out of anybody. Like, you can argue Embiid's having a better year, but he hasn't played enough games. Uh, Jokic it should be the MVP. If the Nuggets fall past the fourth seed, I don't know that, that he gets it, honestly. Um, there are better candidates in the top three in each conference that you could give it to if the Nuggets are like the sixth seed at the end of the playoffs, which seems likely. Um, I mean, we'll get to the Lakers in a bit, but LeBron and AD are coming back soon enough, and there's not that big of a lead um, that Denver has in the four seed. I, I, it sucks again because I, I just think Jokic is going to get screwed over here too because he's definitely not going to win an MVP if they're not top four. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely dive into Jokic's MVP candidacy soon. I, I want to talk about Jamal Murray a little bit, though, because you know very well I've been critical of him. Um, he, my interpretation of his career up to this year pretty much was he's very up and he's very down. Um, even at the start of this season, he had games like that where he would show out with like 11 points, but then the next game he'd have 45. And it's just like a great player is someone who gives you consistency. And in my opinion, he was becoming a great player. For the last however many months, you could count on Jamal Murray coming into a game and giving you 20-plus points on decent shooting every single night. And there's a lot of players you can count on doing that. And 
it just sucks to see him go down because I think he was actually hitting that all-star level. Um, maybe obviously this year the all-star game is passed, but like with the way he was playing throughout the season and we know he would have carried it into the playoffs. It's just, it feels like maybe next year could have been his first playoff berth. We'll see, uh, not playoff berth, all-star game berth, but um, let's talk about Jokic's candidacy, candidacy like you were talking about. I don't think they can give it to him if their seed drops, like you were saying. It sucks because I truly believe him and Embiid have had the two best seasons out of every player in the league. And Embiid, like you said, has missed 18 games. That's way too many. And if Jokic is the sixth seed, can you justify giving it to him? It's kind of tough. I don't I don't even know who would take it from Jokic. Like, who's the next guy up right now? I mean, they – honestly, if Denver's the sixth seed, I could see them giving it to Embiid anyways. Like, despite the amount of games he's missed, uh, Giannis has a case to be made. Um, you could look over in the West. I don't think anybody's talking about anybody in the Jazz as an MVP candidate, yeah. although Donovan Mitchell's been balling out of control. Yeah. Um, Chris Paul, there's been some talk, but it's just because who he is as a leader. Yeah. Um, but I think they'd give it to a worse candidate because they're a better seed. Um, you might what be I'll right. say, though, is that there, there still is a chance for Jokic to win MVP. Yeah. Um, this is still a really good team not suited for a finals run without Jamal Murray, but they can still win a lot of regular season games. And Michael Porter Jr. is probably going to get six, seven more shots a game with Jamal Murray being out. Um, I think this is his chance as a scorer to really show that he can be, uh, I mean, he's shown that he's one of the best scorers out there. Um, But I think he just needs to be, they got to rely on him a lot of, a little more and he's got to come through here in the regular season for them to have a chance to be this seed, the four seed by the end of the season. I agree. And I think there's actually a path in this whole injury that Jokic cements his MVP candidacy. If he keeps this team afloat, if he takes it to another level to keep climbing the rankings, I think there's no doubt he wins it. It's just if this team slides. I'm going to check their schedule right now to see who they have coming up. They have Houston, Memphis, Portland, Golden State, Houston, Memphis, New Orleans, Toronto. I think they could literally win every single one of those games. Like They probably won't, but all those games are winnable. So if Jokic just keeps playing the way he's playing, Michael Porter needs to step up a little bit too. I think the award could still go home with Jokic. Yes. Yeah. I honestly, those are very winnable games that you just read out. Um, Yeah. Jokic could absolutely. I mean, we've seen Dame do it. We've seen Dame do it in like what, three years in a row, just carry a hobbled team into the playoffs. Jokic could absolutely just put this team on his back. Um, He's just going to have to do a lot more scoring. We see a lot of Nuggets games. If Jokic has 36, 38 points, they're probably not winning because nobody else is hitting shots. He's just taking as many shots as he can. Um, And we're probably going to see a little bit more selfish Jokic if they want to have a chance to win, which honestly, I mean, he is as skilled as you can be. I love watching selfish Jokic. Um, So yeah, there, there is definitely a chance, but the odds have gone down tremendously. Yeah, so obviously prayers up to Jamal Murray. Hopefully he gets all right. Um, it seems like he'll be around – he'll be out for around a year. So he'll be coming around back next year around this time, which sucks. Hopefully he gets well. Um, and hopefully Jokic can bring home the award. But we have another weird kind of like injury slash retirement to talk to you guys about. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge abruptly posted on Twitter that he would be retiring from the league after playing a game with an unusual heartbeat. 
Um, I was shook by this. This was very strange. Me and you were talking about just a couple of pods ago, like how well he's playing for the Nets. Like he's going to swing a game or two for them um, later down the road. And this kind of took me by surprise. I was very shocked. He's had an illustrious career, uh, 15 years of it. Um, Yeah. What were your first thoughts when you saw this? I I mean, initial thoughts, I was incredibly surprised. Yeah. Um, I think it's, he was 49 points away from 20,000 career points which shows, I think, how serious this is. Because uh, I think that's a milestone that every single NBA player would want to hit. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, in a regular heartbeat, that's not something you can really mess around with. There have been NBA players that have died in the past because they decided to just play through that and hope for the best. Um, he's had a long enough career. You know, he's not really – he wasn't fighting to prove himself anymore. He was just on Brooklyn to get a ring. Right. Um, I don't think he really – like, obviously, this is going to suck for him because he's a dude who loves playing. Um, but it's not that huge of a loss. Uh, like, I think he's had a really great career. I think he's got a lot to hold his head high with. Uh, but, yeah, it was really, really crazy. I heard he had some heartbeat problems when he was on Portland. Um, and he's taken some, he's missed some games throughout his career for it. Uh, that just has to be incredibly scary as an NBA player to have that sitting in the back of your mind. Yeah. And he gave some really nice comments, uh, during his retirement. He said that like, do everything you love right now. Don't take it for granted because you never know when it's going to stop. And I mean, I, he seemed at peace with his retirement and he didn't seem like really wrecked about it. He seemed like he had accomplished mostly of what he wanted to accomplish, obviously, joining the Nets was probably to help his championship odds. But like we've been saying, 15 years, a great career, probably a Hall of Famer. We'll see. Um, But, I mean, just can't really say any bad things about LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, really dominant post player for how many years? Um, I I just think he's a great player. It sucks that this had to happen to him. And, like, one, that 20,000-point milestone that you were talking about, and two, the year he was probably going to win a championship – um he may still get a ring yeah he probably might still give him one yeah but it's like as a player you want to be out there you want to contribute so just a tough break for my guy hopefully he's all right um yeah get better LaMarcus Aldridge but let's move on to something a little more positive um Steph Curry going freaking bonkers unbelievable uh he is just dropping like 10 plus threes every single game for the past like four or five six seven games I don't know he's going nuts what have your like impressions of Steph been over this last little stretch? Um, it's, I mean, we've, we've seen this from Steph forever. We're not seeing anything new from him. Yeah. Um, there have been people this year that whether they're doing it for clicks and attention or whether they actually believe it, they've been talking about whether or not Steph Curry's still that dude and whether or not he can really carry a team. Um, and this is a 500 team right now, this Warriors team. They might have five wins without Steph Curry. Um, they are, like, even worse than they were last year because last year they knew that there was no Steph Curry to save them, so they had to play well as a team. Yeah. This is just – it's a horrid, horrid team. You called them a G League team earlier in the year, and I gave you crap for it. You're right. I'm right. Um, you are not wrong. They cannot score without Steph Curry. His scoring is up to 30 points per game, 30.7, almost 31. There's a chance he wins the scoring title this year. Um, I think he's battling Bradley Beal for it. Is he the number? I think he's the number one guy. There is nothing stopping Steph Curry from dropping 40 
four games in a row. Like he's, he's amazing. And he's been showing it. That 53 point game was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's unbelievable. And like, I'll go back to that G league team with Steph Curry on it. That's absolutely the truth. I, what you said could not be more spot on this team without Steph Curry is by far worse than Minnesota. It's worse than Minnesota, not close. Um, Like I, we gave Draymond way too much credit earlier in the year. Um, if you listen to our earlier pods, me and Ben were saying, like, the defense is so great, the playmaking is so great, the scoring doesn't even matter. That's false. He is such a non-threat on offense, it does matter now. You are playing 4v5 when Draymond Green's on the court, and it doesn't matter about defense because even if you play the greatest defense on planet Earth, someone's still going to score on you. That's just how the NBA works. So. I'm not a huge fan of Draymond right now. Um, I think his defense is incredible, but if you're averaging four points a game, something's got to change. Kelly, I'm not actually, I'm not that down on Draymond. I'm down. So counter me. Like why, why are you still good with Draymond right now? So you didn't say anything wrong there. Um, Everything you said about Draymond's inability to score is absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, I, I just think, if they had their four best players on the team are Steph right that right now healthy Steph Wiggins Draymond and maybe Ubre yeah um Ubre is your fourth best player that's a bad team and the fact that there's a, such a big drop off from 4 to 5 and then on to the rest of the team like they're they're four they have four good basketball players and nobody else i think if they had an okay bench we wouldn't be complaining much about Draymond. It's just that they need offense and he literally cannot produce it. Um, That we're really seeing like how terrible he is in a normal healthy team. Like if this team was really built for the playoffs, we wouldn't notice Draymond's lack of scoring so much. Right. I think it, it makes it worse because they're so desperate for it. They're so desperate for offense that he can't provide it. So it pisses me off, but that's a good point. Actually, that's a good point. Yeah, so maybe I, just, I'll do... I don't expect him to score in the first place. So when he doesn't, I'm not surprised. It's the neither do I. I, I don't come into games thinking Draymond Green's going to put up 20 points ever. But the the fact that I can see like centers guarding Draymond Green from the paint when he's at the three point line, it's an issue. It's just an issue in my book. Yeah. Um, no, you're not wrong. He shouldn't be at the three point line. He like his his job is to create looks for his team, yeah. and that's it on offense. He really can't do anything else. Right. And Andrew Wiggins, I gave him credit earlier in the year and he's still, he's still pretty good. It's just like, it's not enough. So I get frustrated with everyone on that team other than Steph. I mean, we've heard about Kelly Oubre's ego that he doesn't want to come off the bench, that he's not built for that, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That drives me crazy. And then after those four players, like you named, who is it? Like Jordan Poole, like Damian Lee, Michael Mulder. Nobody. Yeah. So it's like, it's just tough. It, I feel bad for the Warriors organization, kind of, because they had this super long stretch of just complete dominance. And now they're getting hit with just, like, bumps on their team. And you got to think, like, this was a big storyline before the season even took place. They paid, like, $80 million to get Kelly Oubre on that team. And he's not that good. He's not that good. And they wasted so much money. I don't think the owner cares But holy cow, like that was just not worth it at all. Yeah, no. So there's lots and lots of flaws with Oubre's game, lots and lots of flaws with Wiggins' game. 
Wiggins, every time you watch him, you know he could be better than he is. Um, like, that's the thing. He puts up 18 points a game. He's as consistent as you can ask for if you want 18 points. Yeah. If you want any more than that, he will not give it to you, and he won't care. Yeah. Um, that's been him his whole career. Uh, but we didn't talk about either. James Wiseman's out out for the yeah. season. Yeah. Uh, torn meniscus. Um, I don't know if he was a game changer, really. Like, there was still so much that you can tell he has to learn. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't help. It does not help to replace James Wiseman with what Kavon Looney and Smilajic, well, whoever else you have there. Like yeah. losing James Wiseman's just another piece. Um, that's it's so shocking that Steph is able to carry this team to wins. Yeah, and we spoke a little bit about James Wiseman, how much he was struggling um, on defense and just fouling, and just he didn't really understand how to play in the offense. So in my eyes, it's not like a huge loss, but still, they need any talent they can get. Like, he can give you consistent rim running and, like, a dynamic dunk here and there, and that's better than what they have. So they're losing size and they're losing athleticism, and they need everything that they can get at this point. Do you think that they stay in the playing spot? Um, I guess this is a good transition. We can start talking about the 9 and 10 seeds. Yeah. But Warriors are ninth right now, and the Spurs are 10th. Um, the Spurs have looked bad ever since yeah. they got rid of Aldridge. Yeah. Um, but so the teams under them are New Orleans and Sacramento. Do you think either of those teams hits off, knocks off the Warriors for a playing spot at the so night? I, I don't think the Warriors get knocked off. I do think the Spurs are toast. Um, the Spurs have the hardest schedule left in the league. They're not going to win as many games as they – made it seem like earlier in the year when they were like the sixth or fifth seed for a while. Um, But New Orleans, man, like they just have the talent. Uh, Me and you spoke about New Orleans back like in the Zion versus Jaw days. And they have, like me and you love Lonzo Ball, both of us. We love the way he plays the game. Zion, obviously the greatest paint presence in the game today. And then Brandon Ingram, as much as he frustrates me and you sometimes with the shots he takes, he makes most of them. So like we can't give him too much crap. Um, I just think they have too much talent to stay where they're at below San Antonio. So I think it's going to be Steph Curry and Zion in the two playoff uh, play-in spots. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, the Spurs are three and seven in their last 10. The Pelicans are five and five. If they just keep those averages, the Pelicans yeah. will overtake them eventually. Um, I bet that puts New Orleans against Dallas for the first round of the play-in. And I don't think New Orleans has even a little bit of a chance. No. Um, but it'll be fun to watch Zion get 40 points. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll be fun watching Luka get 40 points, too, because yeah. no one on earth can guard that dude. So, yeah. I mean, I-, I was thinking about this the other day. The matchups we have in the play-in for the West are just unbelievable. Like, Luka versus Zion, the two greatest, like, young players in our league today. And then you get Memphis, John Morant, and... Steph Curry like that's incredible like what great matchups to start off the playoffs how do you think Memphis versus Golden State goes I see Golden State winning that I do too just because Steph's gonna go nuclear um John Morant I love that dude but the shooting is bad this year I did not expect it to regress I thought it was going to improve um but he's still like I consider him a star still because he's such a winning player like if you look at that roster, I don't think they should be the eighth seed. I don't. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. So John Morant's clearly doing something. And Jaron Jackson Jr. is coming back. And you can just 
put 18 points into that lineup immediately and three-point shooting, which they need desperately because they're the last three-point shooting team in the league. So it's going to be a good couple games, but with Steph Curry, I, you can't bet against him. Yeah, I would never bet against him. I think uh, we'll see. I mean, Draymond Green had an 18-point performance the other day against the Nuggets. I think Draymond would use absolutely all of his offensive abilities in that play-in game. Like, he's yeah. just not going to lose. Um, John Morant, just to bring up, you talk about bad shooting, yeah. 27% from three. It's horrible. It's really bad. See, I talked a lot of, I've talked a lot of trash um, just since he's been drafted about how bad his shot is. Like, we've had so many conversations about how ugly I think his shot is. Um, yeah. I don't think his shooting's gotten worse. I think people are guarding him now. Like, they were letting him take wide open threes because of how his shot looked, and sometimes they went in. Like, they guard him now, and of course they're not going in. And another part of it is Jaron Jackson Jr. is not there. So they yeah. can just say, Ja, you're the best player. We're throwing everything towards you. I've watched multiple games where they just have three people waiting in the paint for him. And just they're coming off Dylan Brooks in the corner and DeAnthony Melton. And, like, they don't care. Like, we'll give you those. We're just not letting Ja get to the paint. And it's working. They just key in on him every single game. He's still having a decent season. But it's pro- it wasn't the season I was expecting. I was expecting like 25 and like nine this season. So Still inefficient and too many turnovers. Yeah. Um, but let's look at the – take a look at the play-in spot for the East. Yeah. Uh, 7, 8, 9, 10 right now. Seven seeds Miami. Eight seed is Charlotte. Nine is Indiana. And 10 is Chicago. Uh, Chicago I'll start with. They are three and eight since acquiring Nikola Vucevic. Crazy. Um, and Zach Levine is now out for a handful of games on COVID protocols. Yep. Um, this is not how I expected this to go. This is not how either of us expected this to go. You talked about them potentially being the fifth best team in the East, climbing up to a five seed. I thought that was possible. Um, I would have expected an eight and three uh, since acquiring Vucevic, not three and eight. Yep. Um, do you think they, they fall and Toronto replaces them as the 10 seed, or do you think they stay in this? I, I think they fall out. I think they fall out. I've never had my perception of a team get flipped so quickly. Um, when it first happened, when we did our trade deadline coverage, I said that they could become a fifth seed, and I put them on the same type of talent level as Boston. Um, the next pod we did, I took it back immediately because I saw where it was going. They just need a distributor so bad. And it's even worse now with Vooch on the court. It, it does, it, it's weird because you think more talent, more wins, but the fit is strange. I keep, like Zach Levine is not the player he was before Vooch was there. Um, Zach Levine was going off for like 30 points every night before Vooch got there. Now he's struggling from the field. He's struggling from three. He's inefficient. He's turning the ball over. It's like a different player. And then Vooch, he's going to, his numbers are fine, but it just seems like they don't know how to play together yet. Um, so they're like working through the kinks during the season as they're trying to keep their play in spot. And I'm not very confident in it, especially with Zach Levine going in health and safety protocols. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I'm also starting to think maybe Billy Donovan is not a great coach. Um, I don't know how much credit you can give him. I've been trying to think about this forever. I don't know how yeah. much credit you can give him for the success that OKC had. Yep. Um, Cause we see Chris Paul just makes teams better. Like every team he goes to is better. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how much that OKC success has to do with him. 
but you would hope a good coach would be able to get these guys figuring out how to play together quickly. Um, and it just hasn't happened yet. I think there's major deficiencies with their talent too. Um, Patrick Williams, I love him. He's very inconsistent on the offensive end right now. Um, he'll have some games with like 15 and he'll literally score zero in other games. Like he won't get a single bucket. He'll take like two shots. That's a big issue. Um, obviously me and you have talked about Kobe white and how he's not a playmaker uh, or a guy to set up an offense. I think that's still a really big issue. And then Lori marketing, like I heard, I think it was Zach Lowe say it. he plays like he's six, two, but he's seven, one. Like he's a horrible rebounder. He doesn't crash the glass. He doesn't protect the paint. He's just there to fan out to the three and hit him like hit threes. That's all he's there for. And they need more of a traditional big man to help. Like he's got the size. If he could just three and D that would be incredibly helpful to this team. So I do understand what you're saying about Billy Donovan, but I also think there are some real issues with one, the roster construction and two, the talent that they have. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think a better coach could do more with what this team is. Um, but there they are there are huge gaps. We've talked about the gaps for the start of the year. They haven't had a playmaker since yep. day one. Yep. Um, nine seed right now is the Indiana Pacers. I think they're kind of finally starting to hit their stride. Karis mm-hmm. LeVert had a 34-point game the other day. I think he had 28 the game after. I think he's starting to find his own as a scorer for this team. Um, I think Charlotte and Indiana will flip. I think Indiana will take the eight seed. Charlotte will fall to nine. That still has them playing each other for the play-in spot. Sure. Um, but I, I've liked what I've seen out of Indiana the past couple of games with now that Karis LeVert is healthy. I, I've noticed something about Karis LeVert earlier in the season while he was on the nets, while he was coming off the bench. So I thought it was just like a bench thing, but it's just the way he plays. He has the biggest blinders on of any player in the NBA. Um, he is only hunting for his shot. And there's benefits and like to that and negatives to that. Obviously, the dude can score. He's a great scorer. He gets his shot. Um, but man, does he not pass the ball or what? It, he only passes it if he absolutely has to. Um, he does not seem like a player I would want to play pickup basketball with. <laughs> um, but like, I have confidence in the Pacers. Um, I spoke about it earlier in the year. I thought they were going to climb up to five. Um, I just, I love Sabonis. I love Brogdon. Those two, those two players are so fundamentally sound and just quality defense. Like they just do everything well. I think that's super important to a team. And I thought as they got healthier, the better they would be. Um, but I mean, we'll see. I think in terms of the Hornets and Pacers, I think I would take the Pacers to win that just because of the star power that they have. Um, if the Hornets still had LaMelo and Gordon Hayward, I'd choose them easily, but as of right now, the Pacers. And then who do you think wins between Miami and Toronto? Because me and you both believe Chicago probably falls out of that 10 spot. Who do you think would win in that matchup? It's a good question. I mean, honestly, I would, I would say Miami probably. Um, I still think that there's a chance that New York and Miami flop, switch places, and Miami becomes the six seed and New York the seven. Yeah. Uh, but New York against Toronto, I still think goes to New York. Um, Toronto just picked up Kem Birch, which mm-hmm. is, I think, very underrated. Nobody's going to talk about it because it's <laughs> Toronto and it's Kem Birch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
Toronto needed a big man really badly, and Ken Birch can do it. He is a solid backup center. Um, he'll be better than Baines. Uh, I still don't think it's enough, though, especially because they – I mean, I don't know. I like Gary Trent Jr. He, he's been really good for Toronto, but yeah. I still think New York or Miami would take them down. I'm in agreement. Um, New York, they're just a great grind team. They're just going to grind you down. They're going to make you score 70 points, and they're going to win the game. And then Miami, I, I still have hope for them to, like, catch fire for some reason. Um, clearly, they're not the same team that they were um, last year. And I think Victor Oladipo has been injured for them for quite some time. So yes. they, they're not really even getting the benefits of getting him, um, which I think they needed desperately. Me and you talked about that during the trade deadline coverage, they just need the offense. Um, so yeah, they're 26th in points scored in the whole entire league right now, the Miami heat. So I still choose them to win, but I think that's going to be a closer couple games than people think. Yeah. Yeah. It'll definitely be closer against Miami than it will against New York. So now that I'm really looking at Miami's team, I don't know that they're, they're not better than New York. I don't know that they'll, they'll climb into the sixth seed. It's only um, because they have Jimmy Butler. Like, because they have a cal- player of that caliber, I just – there's something in my heart that thinks they could probably take a jump. Right, right. I think I'm just – I can't count them out. Um, we've all – like, Nemanja Bielitsa is still getting DNPs, like coaches' decision DNPs, which doesn't make sense. He's not no. getting a lot of shots. Um, I, but they – obviously, they will figure it out. I trust Eric Spolstra, and I trust Jimmy Butler to just figure it out against whatever teams they play in the play-in. Just one more thing before we move on, my, move on from Miami. I am, like, stunned looking at their numbers right now. They are second to last in the entire league in three-point percentage. Think about the team that we saw in the finals in the playoffs last year, just barraging from three with Duncan Robbins, Tyler Hero, um, Goran Dragic, just like Kelly Olynyk, just bombs away from three. And now they're almost dead last. Kelly Olenek's been great for Houston. Um, yeah. Who saw that coming? I don't, I don't know. Dude, anybody, nobody. Yeah, they, they need three-point shooting. Um, and when your best guy is Jimmy Butler, you're not getting that from him. Like, yeah. he's not a shooter. Yeah. So, hopefully they figure that out. Um, but let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back for some L.A. talk with you guys. All right, and we're back. Uh, We're going to start here by talking about the Lakers because we honestly, when LeBron went down, neither of us had a lot of faith in the Lakers winning any games. Um, He he was slated to miss 15 games, and we put the over under at five and a half wins, and they've hit the over. Uh, They've had six wins with LeBron James out. Uh, Most of them haven't been surprising, but they did beat the Nets by 25 Um, and they hit almost every three they took, which was uh, just surprising to say the least. Um, I, they're still falling in the standings, which isn't surprising. They're the fifth seed. Uh, LeBron and AD are both coming back soon. I think by the end of April, they should both be back. AD is going to play in short bursts. Uh, do you see them rising much in the standings? Can you see them making it to the, the third seed? Maybe I don't. I don't, but I don't think it matters that much um, because LeBron has never cared about seeding. So when he comes back, it's just going to be fair game, whatever. We'll just, we'll duke it out. But there is something to like the other teams around it. Like Portland hasn't taken advantage of the Lakers being without LeBron and AD and sync. The maps have been good, but um, they, they still need to climb a bit. Um, 
But the Lakers, they've been surprising. I mean, Andre Drummond has had a few really good games and a few horrible games. And I think Lakers fans are probably starting to see what me and you talk about. Like, he just does too much. He, he's just, he thinks he's way more offensively gifted than he actually is. Um, and they're, going, they're winning every other game, the Lakers. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. And that's all you really can ask from a team who has their two best players out. Just stay afloat. Keep the boat afloat until your best players come back. And I think they're doing a great job. And they've maintained an elite defense this whole time while those two are out. So I'm, I'm pretty impressed with them as a team. The defense is what I'm most impressed about. Um, Frank Vogel, you have to give lots and lots of credit, I think, to Frank Vogel as a coach. Because yeah. uh, it is not easy to coach LeBron James and other players. Like LeBron James... In a, when you're a superstar like that, things have to be done the way you want them. Like Frank Vogel first has to coach around LeBron and then has to coach around the rest of the Lakers, and he's doing an amazing job at it. Uh, the fact that they're still a highly rated defensive team with LeBron and Anthony Davis out says a lot. Um, because individually, I don't think any of those guys on the Lakers are incredibly talented defensively. Nope. Um, so all the credit in the world to Frank Vogel. Five and five in their last 10, that is incredibly surprising. Um, you look at their wins, and they're not beating amazing teams besides that Nets win. Uh, they beat Toronto. They beat Sacramento, Orlando, Cleveland. Um, but they're beating them. Like, I, I didn't expect them to win half of those games. Um, Kyle Kuzma has been scoring. Dennis Schroeder's been scoring a little bit. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a team effort. Kyle Kuzma, I'm, I'm impressed at the offensive jump he's taken with the opportunity he's got, but it's been a pretty team effort to get these wins. So I think that's really good for just the chemistry going into the playoffs. I totally agree. Because LeBron and AD are players you can just drop into a team and they work. Both players. What team is not going to want AD or LeBron to join their squad? Every team's going to say, yes, please, come join us. Um, but yeah, I want to touch on Kyle Kuzma, man. Like, to think of what he was when he first came into this league and like what he is now is just so vastly different. He used to be a shot chucker who was super glitz and glam, just cared about his like ego pretty much in LA. And now he's like a grit and grind, like dive on the floor for loose balls, uh, great on defensive switches and stuff like that. He tries really, really hard. And then he'll give you the occasional scoring night, like against the Sacramento Kings on the 2nd of April, he had 30 points. Uh, just a couple days ago, we had 24. So I'm just, I'm very impressed with the way Kyle Kuzma has evolved over his career. Like he is a winning player now. And you could not say that about him earlier in his career. Yes. Um, Lakers fans used to overrate the absolute hell out of Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. Um, and I think he has gone a bit underrated now, um, <laughs> which is surprising that somebody on the Lakers who gets that much attention is underrated, but really people just stopped caring about Kyle Kuzma. Um, he stopped trying to be the third star, some sort of big three with LeBron and AD, and is, he's just the best version of himself. Um, and he's been great. Uh, I, I didn't have a lot of faith in Andre Drummond when he joined. Um, he hasn't shown me anything new. Nope. He is the same player he was on, in Detroit and Cleveland. Um, he'll be great when LeBron and AD get back. For the minutes, if he can just do what they ask him to do in 12 minutes a game, he'll be great for them. Uh, Marcus Saul has been pretty good for them. I am. I don't know if I see them winning any more games before AD and LeBron come back, but 
I didn't see them winning the amount that they've won. So I guess there's still room for them to shock me. Yeah, I totally agree. And while we're talking about Drummond, I have to bring up his games on the Lakers so far. So he's averaging under 10 points, which isn't great. But he's had games where he's scored 28, 20, and 15, and 18. But then he has games where he's scored three points, four points, four points, four points, eight points. That's just who Andre Drummond is. Yep. Some games he's going to look like the best center in the league, and you have no idea why. He's going he's gonna to get 28 and 15. And then other nights he's going to get three and seven and yep. completely lose you the game. So Lakers fans, have fun with that. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to move on to the Clippers, though, the other L.A. team. Uh, the Clippers have been roaring the past couple of weeks. Uh, I believe they're on a seven-game win streak. Kawhi and Paul George have been playing unbelievably. Paul George actually just got Western Conference Player of the Week. Um, for his incredible couple games that he's had. Um, but this team is so different since the trade deadline, obviously, because of the acquisition of Rondo. Um, so I've had huge concerns about this team the entire year. One, because of Paul George's playoff performances. It just makes me nervous. I can't really give you more explanation than that. And then they didn't have a playmaker. The ball was super static when I watched their games. There wasn't a lot of ball movement. It was a lot of my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. And that's not how you win championships. With Rondo being on that team, the ball is forced to move because Rondo's the type of player that sometimes even passes when he shouldn't. Um, he'll give up an open shot to get a better shot for someone else. And it forces the ball to whiz around. And it's clear to see how it's impacting this team. Um, and me and you were speaking about it on the break. They're shooting 42% from three as a team. That is ridiculous. On the attempts that they're taking, this team is just bombarding other teams with threes. I think they're the safest bet other than the Nets to go for like 130 points in a game. So my opinion of them is starting to change slowly. The only thing I still have like reservations about is Paul George in the playoffs, but we'll, we'll, we have to wait till then to see. Yeah, yeah, I – that is, it's definitely a fair reservation to have. Paul George has not proved himself in the playoffs yet. Um, there's no reason he can't do that this run. I mean, I think that's, of course, it's been on his mind since the beginning. He's brought it up since the start of the season, how that's kind of his knock on him, um, is that nobody cares how good he is in the regular season because show it in the playoffs. Yep. Um, I think they really have a shot to show it in the playoffs. Um, I really haven't been that low on this team. I know the chemistry is bad, but if Kawhi and Paul George heat up at the same time, there aren't many teams that can stop them. Even if the rest of the team isn't great, even if they don't have excellent chemistry, like just those two guys heating up, there's not a lot you can do to stop that team. Um, and yeah, undefeated since picking up Rajon Rondo. He, I said this, I said it was going to happen. He, you see the first seven games of Rondo, he is locked in and ready to give this team wins. Um, and he'll bring this, what you're seeing from him, you'll see it in the playoffs. Um, you probably won't see it for the rest of the regular season. He'll take some games off. Um, but we will see an engaged, ready to go Rondo come playoff time. And I think just those three, Kawhi, Paul George, and Rondo is enough to beat some teams. And they still have uh, Marcus Morris, who's been pretty good. Um, I like their bigs. I, I think they, they are geared for a, a playoff run. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Um, I'm looking at some of Paul George's playoff stats right now. And to say the least, they are concerning. Um, yeah. It's just, it's a matter of fact. And you're right. I'm trying to, 
because I love Kawhi so much, um, I want him to win. I want him to get a championship. So that's something that's on my mind. I, I'm just having trouble believing that Paul George can do it, but I also don't want to be negative because you're right. He, this could be the year Paul George turns it all around in the playoffs and just goes absolutely nuts. I mean, he is having his most efficient season of all time right now. So who says he can't carry it into the playoffs? It's just seeing what I've seen before, like obviously the bubble and then the series against Portland and against Utah. It's just like, it, it's tough to, uh, tough to give him a break when maybe he doesn't deserve it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many different uh, performances and series where you can give excuses to players. Like Paul George, when he was on OKC, was battling with shoulder injuries. um, And maybe that's why he wasn't shooting so well. Um, I don't know what excuse you can give him last year on the Clippers. Um, But you're right, he hasn't showed it. And nobody will really respect him until until he does. I, I just I think this team's talented enough to win everything, to win the whole chip. Uh, they would struggle up against Brooklyn, but I mean Kawhi Leonard is if you're looking for a dude to rival Kevin Durant as a scorer and defender, Kawhi's that dude. Absolutely. Um, if they're if the Nets are healthy, I'm not sure that any team's really going to beat them. Um, but if the Clippers are, all it takes is Kawhi and Paul George to be hot at the same time, and I think they have a chance. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting finals if they do make it there. Um, I'm hoping for that because you're right. Paul George and Kawhi, if they're both on fire, it's going to be hard to beat those two four games out of seven. It's just going to be tough to do. Yeah. Um, Paul George, first of all, uh, you you said it, but I just want to shout it out again. Most efficient season of his career. Yeah. He is playing excellent, amazing basketball. He, I mean, we talked about it earlier in the year for a couple of months. He was in the 50-50-90 club, yeah. um, which is a just unbelievable thing that he was in that club. Um, I think he's still in the 40s, shooting 44% from three on seven attempts. That's amazing. Like, historically it's amazing. Yeah, it's um, There's nothing that says he can't keep that up into the playoffs. I mean, the only thing is he's never done it before. Right. Um, but I, I believe in him. So, enough with the Clippers. Let's move on to the Atlanta Hawks. They are the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference right now, and I'll take this one. This looks like a completely different team than when Lloyd Pierce was coaching. Um, It doesn't shock me, those reports that the players weren't such a big fan of Lloyd Pierce anymore. Like, it it seems like they like playing uh, for Nate McMillan. Um, They try on defense more. Trey Young isn't the center of every single play as much. He still is very, very involved in the offense. So I'm not going to like, he's basically baby James Harden, but I've seen Nate McMillan give the ball to Bogdan Bogdanovich and do what he wants. I've seen the ball move around a little bit more, which makes me excited. And this team at the beginning of the year, we didn't know what to think of them. Um, we had them both in the play-in, I believe, as the 10th seed, like in our preseason rec- uh, rankings, but they have really shown up. Fourth seed, um, they have home court advantage right now. So I'm very impressed. What are your thoughts with the Hawks? I think we got to give a little bit of a shout out to Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah. Um, because Trey hasn't been healthy for a handful of games. He's been out for a little bit. And Bogdan Bogdanovich is putting up crazy numbers. Uh, I mean, 28 last game, 23 the game before, 32 the game before that. 
Uh, as a starter, he's just been awesome, which is great because he missed so many games um, and there was such a hype about picking him up. I think there's a chance. I don't know. Like maybe you can rank him top five. Trey and Bogdan Bogdanovich as a backcourt next year, maybe top top six, like the sixth best. I don't know if that's a little bit crazy, but just as a, like an offensive, the, the power that they bring offensively, Trey Young and Bogdanovich could be one of the best guard pairings out there. Like a, a smaller Damon CJ sort of. Um, it sounds crazy when you say it, but the more I'm thinking about it, I can't think of people to put over it. Like I'm, I'm struggling with that. I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep thinking. Find somebody to prove me wrong. Um, Cause yeah. I, I'm very, very high on Bogdanovich after these past handful of games. I love him as a scorer. Um, and you're right. It's, it's good. That the ball's not just in Trey Young's hands a hundred percent of the time now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Lloyd Pierce getting rid of Lloyd Pierce was a big difference maker. They've had some good wins against other people in the East recently. Um, what are they? Eight and two in their last 10, seven and two in their last seven and three in their last 10. Yeah. They've been excellent. Yeah. Um, them, the Hawks in Boston right now are fighting for the four seed. And I think that's a real fight doesn't have a lot of uh, implications, just home court advantage, but that's a real fight for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think that might be a good segue to talk about our hometown team, the Boston Celtics. Um, I have been extremely down on our team this basically in this the entire year. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like the way the team was constructed, was not a fan of Tristan Thompson, wasn't a fan of Semi Ojale, just like <laughs> our bench bothered the hell out of me the entire season, and obviously – I wrote an article about Kemba Walker, so he bothered me too. Um, but you sent me something over the break. Uh, Kemba has definitely changed the style of play. Uh, he's more of a pass-first type of guy, which still bothers me a little bit just because we're paying him so much money. But as long as he contributes, I don't really care. And obviously, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown are ridiculous. Jason Tatum was just named Eastern Player, um, Eastern Conference Player of the Week, and Jalen Brown went off for the most efficient 40, 39 points in Celtics history the other night. So both of them are just playing at elite, elite levels. But I think it really comes down to Time Lord. Time Lord being injected into that starting lineup and getting more minutes and getting a more prevalent role has changed this team. It just, it has. You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. I'm His first start, I think it was his first start where he had 20 points, eight boards and eight assists on 100% shooting. Yeah. Um, he is awesome. I, I'll start with your first point, though, about this team not being fun to watch. There were points to this team around the All-Star break, before the All-Star break, even a little bit after it, where watching it was like watching that last year with Kyrie on the Celtics. Yes. Um, where you know the team's not really in it. And you can tell there's a little bit of uh, chemistry issues. And you can just tell that nobody's having fun. Fans aren't having fun watching. The players aren't having fun playing. Um, they're on a five-game win streak, and their defense has been excellent the last five games. Uh, Marcus Smart was kind of not putting in his fullest of energy earlier in the season when he came back. Maybe he was dealing with injuries, whatever, whatever. But he has been great in this five-game win streak. I think defense is really the reason we've been, we have this win streak at all. Um, and Jason Tatum, he is back. I mean, he, he does this. He seems to do this every year after the all-star break. He just remembers that he's one of the greatest shooters in basketball. 
Um, he's shooting over 40% from three. He had a dagger to win it against Portland. Um, we just, we got to catch, we are catching heat at the right time. Yeah. If we can carry this momentum into the playoffs, we can go farther than I think we did. We've already had the talk where we kind of tapered our expectations um, for this team. And I think it's still fine that we have realistic expectations as like a second round exit. But if they carry this momentum, I mean, they can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals again. Nothing's stopping them. Yeah, so first I want to touch on the entertainment aspect because it got so bad at a point that I literally became a Minnesota Timberwolves fan. Uh, I just stopped watching Celtics games and I just watched Minnesota Timberwolves, Timberwolves games instead. Like when I'm watching the worst team in the league over my hometown team, you know there's an issue. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. People looked lethargic. You could tell people weren't trying as hard. Like Marcus Smart, the blood and soul of Celtics basketball, was not trying. I don't care what you – once he heard his name in trade rumors, he didn't want to play. And that's just the fact of it. No one can tell me different. Afterwards, though, there was something that started to pick up. Um, Evan Fournier really hasn't even gotten to play for us either. So that makes me a little excited just to have a guy who can score – more efficiently than other players we have on our bench. Um, I just, I don't know what this team ceiling is. I know you said Eastern Conference Finals. They would have to be a team like the Bucks. I think they can. I don't, I don't know if they can. Or, or it would be the Sixers, right? Because it would be a 1-4 matchup. We right. cannot beat the Sixers or the Nets. It's just, it's not going to happen. Um, Joel, we've seen what Joel Embiid does to us. So, I don't know if I can go as far as Eastern Conference Finals, but I can say I'm very pleased with the way things have been turned around. Um, I don't care if we lose the next seven games straight. As long as we're playing like the way we're playing, I wouldn't mind because people look engaged. People look like they're trying, and it looks like they're having fun out there. That's what makes basketball fun to watch when they're having fun, and it didn't seem like they were that first half of the season. So I'm glad things are starting to turn around. Yes, I'm, I'm 100% with you. Um, the thing you got to think about when we go into the playoffs, we're not going to be playing Aaron Neesmith. We're not going to be really playing Semi-Ogele. Yeah. Um, we're going to have an eight-deep lineup with our starters and probably Rob, Peyton Pritchard. And then, I don't know, you want to put in Luke Cornette there. You want to give your high on Romeo Langford's defense, you could put him there. But we have seven deep. I, I do not respect that look you gave me. For can, we, can we talk about this on I'll, air? I'll argue him to the death. Let's okay. go. We need to recognize as Celtics fans, all the Celtics fans listening right now, mm. we need to understand that Romeo Langford is not good. Okay. That's 100% false. We need to – no, it's, it's correct. Just not a true statement. And let me explain. If someone is averaging four points for their career – but gives you effective defense. Cause I'm not going to debate his defense. His defense is effective and it's worth having on the court at some points, but we can't keep pretending like he's going to like blossom into this, like better player than he is right now. He is what he is. He's going, I know he's like, he is what he 30. is a second year player. He is what he is. Yeah. Honest. I not believe getting better. there's been no improvement from him. That's not true. Ben, where, where has he shown you growth? His shot form is miles better than it was when we drafted him. Um, when we drafted him, he was recovering from a torn ligament in his shooting thumb. Um, didn't really shoot at all his freshman year. He was a one-and-done college kid. 
really only made his points scoring at the rim. Um, his shot, he did airball a three. I know you texted me, get him off the team after he airballed the three. Um, I don't, I can't stand for this. He was part of the reason we had the comeback that we did against Denver. Um, his defense and his rebounding led to that run. Um, if you have Romeo Langford, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum on the floor at the same time, you don't need Romeo Langford to create shots. You need him to lock down his guy on defense. Um, if I'm not looking for Romeo Langford to be a 40% spot up three point shooter, I'm looking for him to play energized, great defense and get good rebounds and finish okay, the hoop. So, all right. So maybe you have realistic expectations of him because I just feel like we can count on four to six points from this kid and good defense. And that's it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking at him to score. I think eventually okay. he could be a scorer. No, um, that's I, where, no, that's where we differ. Can he not be a finisher? Did he not show in his college, in the tape that he, he played in college that he can be a finisher? You want to know what he's showing in the NBA right now? He's shooting 28% from two-point range. That's what he's showing. Right, on how many attempts? <laughs> Three a game. That's not like in 20 it's games? It's nothing. It's nothing. The dude played I, I think like that 25 says something. career games. I think that says something. I, I don't... I think that's like a confidence thing. Just like, I don't know. I just feel like our expectations of Romeo Langford need to be drastically lowered. This is a guy who averages 2.5 points per game for his career. I know it's only been 39 games or whatever, but like, come on. It seems like your expectations are as low as they're getting. Um, because I think he has a spot uh, on our team for years. I think he is a great defender. I think he's already fine as a finisher. Um, and I think eventually he could be passable as a, like a semi-ogele sit in the corner and hit open corner threes. Did you hear what you just said? Good finisher, can play good defense, can eventually be an okay three-point shooter. You said semi-ogele three-point shooter. I would what, rather... seven percent I would, I would choose a random stranger off the streets of Boston instead of Semi Ojale. Semi Ojale is shooting 40, no, 38% from three. 39% from three. It's just, I know he looks like an oaf, but he's shooting 39% from three. If when, Romeo Langford brings that, you will not complain. Honest, okay, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit there. Right, but, he looks like an oaf. Yeah, Semi Ojale doesn't look like a shooter. but he's With Ojale, it's just when it's supposed to go in, it doesn't. And when it's not, like, when it doesn't matter, it does. It just sinks through the net. So, like, I don't know. Romeo Langford, he's been fine, whatever. I do – I'm a fan of his defense. There's no question. I think he could be, like, Chris Dunn. Okay. I think he could be – I mean, he's already taller than Chris Dunn. I think he could be Walmart version of Chris Dunn. Oh, I think he could be better. Chris, Chris Dunn's, Dunn's getting all zero minutes teams. right now. Um, and is what is he in the G League? Was he playing in the G League when he was? I think healthy? he's hurt. Let me check. Um, I think, I I mean, Chris Dunn. He's just a defensive-minded point guard. What um, Romeo Langford is. But like Chris that. Dunn, yeah, I I think Romeo can finish at the rim. I think he can be a good finisher at the rim, eventually. Yeah, Romeo. Chris Dunn's getting DMPs this entire season, so that's yeah. kind of yeah. Coach's decision, DMPs. Yeah, so. Um, I'm not expecting Romeo to be our fifth best player, 
But as our eighth or ninth best player, I think he could be great for us. All right. That's fair enough. Do you think he'll get a separate, uh, separate extension? Do you think he will get re-upped? Yes. Okay. Not to a great contract, but like, look at the sort of contracts that we've offered like semi Ojale in the past. He's getting more money than that. Okay. That's fair. Um, I don't know when his contract is up, maybe like two years from now, but I don't know, six, six, seven, eight million dollars. I think he could eventually be worth that. Which is a ninth or 10th spot on your roster. That's fair. That's fair. All right. But yeah, the Celtics are balling out. We're playing a lot better than we were. <laughs> we're playing a lot better than we were. So I'm very happy with the team right now. Um, I'm going to stop tuning in to Timberwolves games and actually watch the Celtics again. Um, but to give you guys a little teaser for our next episode, me and Ben are going to do something cool for you guys. We're going to do a draft type of special. Um, we're getting close to the playoffs. So after the playoffs, the draft comes up, we're going to give you like a little bit of a breakdown on prospects and where we think they would fit really well and stuff like that. We may even like make our own mock draft. We'll see. We're only going to do like the first five or seven picks because we don't know all the players just yet. We will by June or whatever the draft is, but uh, yeah, that's a little sneak peek. Uh, ben, do we have anything else for our listeners? No, I have a good lengthy debate, but I think that's it. I think we're good. <laughs> what other podcast, guys, if you need a reason to subscribe to us, what other podcast is debating Romeo Langford to the extent that we debate <laughs> Like That is your reason to subscribe. <laughs> All right, guys, but I think we're going to wrap up. Ben, any final words? No, thanks for watching, everybody. Listening. Right, peace. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. If you want to interact with us at The Chase Down, make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Blogger at The Chase Down Pod to join the conversation. Peace, everybody.